Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 and 23, Paul says to the saints there in Colossae, And you who were once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. And let's once again bow our heads and ask the Lord to bless this segment of our service this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the joy that we can find. Father, tears can come, certainly, as we consider everything you've done for us. But, Father, I pray that even tears of sadness would be changed to tears of joy. Knowing who you are, what you do, Lord, what we have in you, we do have victory, we do have peace, we do have strength, all of these things available to us. Father, help us to celebrate that and take joy in that. Father, we also have your word that lays out to us who Jesus is in person and in character. Father, help us to rejoice in that truth as well and take part in it this morning. Be honored, be glorified, be praised this morning, Father, we pray as we consider your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, let me thank you for staying for the second part of this this morning. And we're just going to get right to it, and I'm going to get right to it asking you just a couple of questions. And you can, you can blurt out an answer if you so choose. I'm not going to wait for answers necessarily, but we just had a lesson this morning. You just heard it from the same guy. On a natural level, that's not really something that tends to go very well when you have the same person speaking and then speaking again because it can tend to be boring and people's attention spans are small. And particularly when you're considering eternal things and weighty things and sometimes even toe-stepping type of things. I don't know that that was the case this morning. But, well, that can kind of... Well, you want to change a little bit. You might want to take a breather from time to time. So, as I thank you for staying here, I would ask you, why did you stay? Why did you stay here this morning to have round two, so to speak, of our considerations this morning? Why did you stick around? Why did you not go home? Did anyone go home, by the way? <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't check. It looks like it's about the same population up here. Uh, last week, was it last week, uh, my memory, uh, I think it was last week that it was cold in here, right? Wasn't it last Sunday? When it was chilly, the furnaces weren't working, they are working well. Well, people were here Sunday morning and they walked in for Sunday school and they're like, whew, it's cold in here. And I looked at all the thermostats and I'm like, yes, confirmed, it is indeed cold in here and I can't do anything about it this morning. And yet you stuck around. <laughs> and you stuck around for round two uh, after Brother David was done. Why did you stay? Anybody? Because the, the Lord's present? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Ian. The sermon's over. <laughs> there it is. You wanted to hear more of the Word? You wanted to fellowship with God's people? You wanted to obey the Lord, even if the Word isn't necessarily always our first and foremost priority? Maybe you stayed because your parents made you and they were, st- they were staying, your ride was here, I don't know, whatever the case might be. This morning we're considering the benefit that there is in staying, not just for the second lesson of our Sunday mornings, not just for, you know, just sticking around. There's a benefit in staying. 
We're going to consider that it's really putting a very fine point on it, but there it is, and it's what I do oftentimes is pick a theme, pick a term, pick a something that, that has weighed on my heart and just needs to be presented uh, as the Spirit leads. To stay is to remain in place, position, or activity. Now, it doesn't just mean simply that here I am, I'm just going to stay right here and not move, and this is staying. That, that's it in its finest and purest form, perhaps, but you know that it applies to a lot of different other applications. It applies to a lot of different contexts. Uh, you know, people know, well, if you're in the military, you know what it is to hold the line or stay in a position and stand fast there. I mean, that's, that is kind of what staying means. Stay here and don't let the enemy come through. Don't let him breach. We understand what that means. And then there's, there's more than just location that's involved to staying or can be involved. You know what it is to stay fit, perhaps. We talked about exercise here recently. Talked about eating well. Staying fit. It means to maintain something. is to, to keep something. And it involves a lot of different things. But staying and remaining in a certain, a certain condition, you might say. Uh, different people know what it is to, to stay ready. Stay ready to go. I was talking to, to Justin about a fire that, that he had recently. You know, fire guys and cops and, and, and people who are on call in IT and, and different places, they're, they're ready for the bell to ring, so to speak. You have to stay ready. We used to talk about remaining in a state of readiness. That means you stay in a certain way. You're in a position. You're in an activity. You're in a mindset. You're prepared. You're staying in that place. Whatever the context might be, it can be quite beneficial to stay a certain way. It can also be harmful. (laughs) No getting around it. But to remain in a certain place, it can be beneficial. And certainly in spiritual things. To stay in a certain place. To stay in a certain position. To stay in a certain posture. To stay in a certain mindset. To stay in a certain activity. Well, it definitely uh, can have its benefits. But... We're going to look at it more from a staying something on. To take something and stay it on something. To rest it, to keep it, to hold it. Hold it in position. To hold it in place in a certain posture or place. It's probably just easier just to jump in and consider. i got four different things I'm going to show you this morning that we need to stay. That we need to stay in a certain way. Uh, the low-hanging fruit, I guess we might say, is if I ask you, if the Lord, ha- if is there any place in Scripture where the Lord has told us stay this on this? Well, what would you what would you think? Stay this on this. Uh, I'm not asking the question very clearly, I'm sure, so I'll just give it to you. Isaiah 26. Uh, he tells us to stay our mind on Him. Right? I mean, this is to me this is the low-hanging fruit that I. Well, had sitting before me the entire time I was thinking about this lesson. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. In perfect peace he'll keep you whose mind is stayed, is stayed on him, so on and so forth. In perfect peace. Stay your mind. Remain your mind in place. Remain your mind in mindset. Stay your mind in the position that is... In God, on God, in Christ, on Christ. Staying one's mind or propping up one's mind. Supporting one's mind. That's what stay means. Uh, There's benefit in propping up your mind, staying your mind, or even taking your mind. (laughs) That big green melon that's up in, or green, gray melon. And just squashing it right on the rock that is Jesus. It's kind of the picture. 
prop up your mind on the Lord. In all contexts, in all scenarios, in all situations, whether they're troublesome and tragic or they're joyful, exultant, whatever the case might be, whether we're celebrating, when our mind is stayed on Him, when we stake our mind and place our mind to remain fixed on the Lord's presence, the Lord's will, the Lord's grace, whatever the situation might be. Poor thing's got a little cough, doesn't she? It brings peace. You know, you hear your little baby coughing like that. It's troublesome, right? It's troubling. You trust the Lord? You trust the Lord for her? Yeah. It gives you peace. You stay your mind even on that situation. Promotion at work. Yes. Yes. Promotion at work. I'm thrilled for this extra work, this extra responsibility, this extra hmm, accountability, this extra finances that I'm not to... Lord, help me with this. (laughs) Keep your mind stayed on Him. Physical needs, keep your mind stayed on Him. In perfect peace, He'll keep you. Whose mind is stayed on the Lord. Rested in place. Solidified and propped up in place. That's great benefit. Great benefit comes from your mind being stayed on the Lord. Now, if your mind isn't stayed on the Lord, just the opposite happens, right? Worst case scenario? Well, the days of Noah. Genesis chapter 6. Well, I guess what you could legitimately and accurately say, in the days of Noah, no minds outside of the eight were stayed on the Lord God. None. None of them. Uh, Their minds were stayed on sin, you might say. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. And the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that He had made man on the earth and He was grieved in His heart. Kind of a side note, I just, I just recalled here as I read that, you know, this verse has been getting a lot of play on social media and the like. It gets tossed out there. Some smart person reads something in Scripture or thinks something in Scripture and says, this is why I don't believe in God. This is why God is a farce. And so they say, the Lord was sorry that He had made man on the earth. I won't serve a God who's sorry that He made me. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it, man. I, man. Uh, my kids have made me sorry so many times. You know? It simply it is what it is. And so what I do is I teach my kids, and I have invested myself into them to help them not make their spouse sorry, not make their boss sorry, and not keep me sorry. Uh, they've responded well to that. When you respond well to the Lord, He has made provision. When He was... Sorry that he had made them. He simply rescued those ones who wanted to be rescued. He, he gave option, gave opportunity to those ones who had made him sorry to not make him sorry anymore. And they rejected it. And people forget that part of it. Uh, the Lord was sorry. And so he created a boat. And that preacher of righteousness, Noah, preached. He was called a preacher for a reason. And those ones who would have heard, could have heard. And perhaps did hear. But I'll, I digress. I'm just going to say... Uh, when you hear someone say something super smart, super just, oh man, that's powerful, make, shakes my foundation. Yeah, go back to the Word and get your foundation restored and understand what the truth is. Not just a snippet, the whole enchilada, if you will. So these men, uh, all of mankind saving eight for the time being, their minds were stayed on something other than God. It was stayed on sin. 
And so that brought them destruction. You don't have the peace that comes from staying your mind on Him. You don't have the joy that comes from staying your mind on Him. It ends up being something much, much the opposite. The opposite of peace. And it's unfortunate. Uh, what you find as we move forward here in considering these things that we're going to stay on the Lord is when you stay something and when you keep something in the arena of or in the influence of or applied to, you find that whatever that you commit to that, whatever you have stayed on something else, those things start to, start to impact one another. If you stay your, your mind on, well, let me, how can I explain this? If you stay in something, if you stay under something, you start to become familiar with that. I'm staying in this workout program. I'm familiar with this, this exercise. I'm staying on this diet. I'm familiar with these foods. It always seems to go back to exercise and diet with me. There it is. I'm staying in this school program, so I'm becoming more and more familiar with with physiology. I'm staying in this. I'm, I'm staying with these people. I'm becoming more familiar with them. You see what I'm saying? When you stay in any location, when you stay in any position, when you stay in any location, whatever the case might be, you start to become familiar with that position, that posture. You, my mom used to tell me, sit up straight. <laughs> because I would slouch like this. If you stay in that position, you're going to end up becoming strengthened, so to speak, in being weak. Does that make sense? I'm, oh, I'm staying, oh, now I, I mean, I'm really good at being like this all the time. You're strengthening yourself with that familiarity. You have capability for that. You want to be a better accordion player? Stay, stay in practice and you'll become a better. Who wants to be an accordion player? Not, not me. You want to be a stronger weightlifter? Stay under the weights. Stay at it. Keep at it. Unfortunately, you want to be a capable liar? Just practice. You get better, right? Stay in the practice of lying. Politicians do it all the time. And I don't mean that just as just a, off, out the side of my mouth bagging on them. They practice how to manipulate their words. It is a practiced thing. Manipulation and saying just the right thing to appeal to this ear and not overly insult that ear or intentionally insult that ear. You want to be good at sin, saints, stay at it. And you'll become very, very capable. We understand this. How much better is it to stay your mind on Him? How much better is it to stay whatever it is that means something to us, whatever it is of value to us, whatever it is of any kind of benefit, how much better is it to stay those things that are parts of who we are, to stay them on the Lord? If your mind is stayed on the Lord as Noah's was, good will come. You'll have strength in mind. You'll have capability in mind. You have strength in your heart. You'll have strength in coping. You'll have strength in dealing with things. You'll have strength in mind by faith in Him. That's where the peace comes from. Perfect peace follows that strength, that understanding, that staying at it, staying your mind in the Lord, keeping your mind there. And that's just the beginning, child of God. That's just the beginning. Set your mind. Stay your mind in and on the Lord Jesus Christ and benefits will come. Guaranteed. What else do we have in Scripture that we could say? Well, let's say this. Movement. (laughs) Movement. Keeping one's movement, just on a natural level. Keeping one's body movement stayed in the correct position, like I mentioned a moment ago, beneficial to you. Um, I think I've mentioned Pilates from the pulpit. 
haven't I? Uh, I think that I have. Uh, yeah, in the old academy, we used to, you know, there's a lot of physicality. In, in well, when you're 36, it sure felt awfully physical. <laughs> uh, I was the oldest, second oldest guy in there, and I felt my body taking a beating that I didn't feel when I was 20 and went through it the first time. Anyway, on Tuesdays, for one hour, a lady came in and she ran all of us firefighter wannabes in through Pilates, and we loved we loved Pilates Day. <laughs> Because we weren't out there carrying huge weights. We were just in shorts and t-shirts. And there were stretches and holds and movements and all of these things, you know. And she was guiding us through this, well, this rather, it was beneficial. You could tell our bodies were less sore. They were more flexible. There was a reason why those guys, uh, those people who were in charge put us through that. Because it was actually profitable for us. When you put your body through specific movements and you stay in those movements, whether it's all kinds of movements really active or it's very, very still movement, i.e. Pilates, then it can be very, very beneficial to you. I like in our situation as children of God, just spiritual Pilates, if you'll humor me there. Sometimes God calls for a bunch of movement out of us. Sometimes He orders that for us. Flip over to Acts chapter 8. Sometimes he wants us very literally to be moving a whole lot. I look at this man, Philip, as just a quick example for you. Philip did a lot of moving in the name of the Lord and did a lot of moving literally at the direction of the Lord. He was busy in this time uh, in the early church. Some fantastic things were happening. Paul was performing miracles. Philip was performing miracles. There There was a true... Well, I don't necessarily want to call it a revival because it wasn't, it was the life of Jesus was coming through. So it was actually the revival. You know, it was not a repetition. It was the revival of Jesus was coming through. And God's church was established and the word of, of the Lord was going through. And these ones were being worked and used. And I think joyfully so. And we see Philip, he was busy during those days in in verse 4 of Acts chapter 8. Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. It's a good work. He went to Samaria, went to that place, well, that there was a great deal of conflict and contention and even hatred between them and the people of of Israel, of Judea that is. Now, While he was there, healings and miracles and demons were cast out. All these things took place. So he was busy, busy, busy. And amidst all that blessing, amidst all that busyness on Philip's part, God moved him again. Verse 26, step down the page. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. And if you know the story, the Lord said, Get up. And go down because there is a man, an Ethiopian eunuch, that's down there. And you're going to speak to him. He told him, overtake the chariot, run, out, run after the chariot. That man, is, you know, that man is seeking the word of God. And you're going to share Jesus with him. And so Philip did. Chased him down, got up, asked him if he knew what he was reading. He says, Isaiah, how, do I, how can I understand what this is? There's a lot here I don't, I don't get. And so Philip just proceeded to explain Isaiah to him and who Jesus was and how clearly it was to the point that the man said, (laughs) I want to be baptized right now. (laughs) Is there anything that hinders me? Do you believe with all your heart? I love the story. I could read it to you and take a lot of joy in it, but I won't. He baptized him. 
And after that time of blessing, as soon as he taught him, explained to him, expounded the Scripture, the man understood and believed. He went and he baptized him. Well, what happened then? In verse 39, on down that page, or to the next one. No rest for Philip. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw, <laughs> so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, a different city. And passing through, what did he do? The man kept busy. He preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Busy, man. Busy. Sometimes the Lord calls us to literal movement. Our body is going all over the place. That's what Philip was presented just in this brief chapter. Lots of literal movement, but all of it so focused so stayed on God's things, yes? So stayed on God's direction. Everything that Philip did in this chapter 8 was stayed on God's direction. Stayed on his purpose. Uh, to, well, to the extent that he was even evidently shuttled by God. The Spirit took him up and dropped him over here. He was shuttled by the Lord. The Lord's capable of doing such things. When the motion of our day-to-day life, when the movement and how we move in our day-to-day, month-to-month, week-to-week, year-to-year, when our movement and how we operate and function in this life is stayed upon God, well, how can we not be strengthened? Like when you pick up a weight and you do five, 500 reps on this side, 500 reps on this side, sometimes the movement, the actual movement is the benefit and the Lord moves us. And when we stay that movement on Him, staying in His direction, we will be strengthened regardless of the energy, regardless of the the busyness that's that's expended, regardless of the strength that we don't have for it. He'll enable us for it. He strengthens us. Now we also understand, there's always a flip side, we also understand that strength doesn't just come with motion. You know, there were times when, well, holding still was the purpose. Anyone familiar with a plank? You ever do a plank? <laughs> yeah, if you don't know what a plank is, think a push-up and either do it on your hands or do it on your forearms and just hold it. No pushing up, just stand there. Just sit there. Uh, it's, uh, for about five seconds, it's boring, and after about five seconds, it's agony is what it can be. You have to fire your core. You, know, you have to keep yourself still. and You're shooting for a minute or two minutes or whatever the case might be. And just the act of being still not moving anything. Start getting red and a little drool comes out your mouth, you know, and you start sweating and that sort of thing. Sometimes holding still in that position is exactly what is going to strengthen you more than any reps, more than any motion, or at least strengthen you in the manner that you're intended. It's intended to strengthen other things other than just what you see, other than the big pecs or the big traps that come up here, you know, that look all strong. It's supposed to strengthen some things that perhaps aren't seen. Sometimes just sitting still is exactly what the Lord has for you. All right, put yourself into this position. I remember the, that lady would tell us, cross your leg over like this, cross over like this, you know, do this and twist and all that stuff. I could make myself look really foolish. Okay, now take a deep breath and hold it. And she'd count to 30 and you just sit there all twisted and pretzeled and all that kind of stuff. And it was intended to strengthen you in ways that you didn't know how to strengthen yourself. It was intended to make you more flexible in ways that you wouldn't have conceived on your, under your, own, on your own mind and your own logic. 
And so you tremble and you exert and all of those things and you stretch. And guess what happens? The next time, when she came into the next Tuesday, we could stretch a little bit better. <laughs> we were a little bit stronger. You could hold a plank for just a little bit longer. And by the end of four months or however it might be, when you stay at it, some, whether it's moving and doing all of this, jumping jacks and all that, or just holding still, by the end of that time, if you've stayed in it and allowed your emotion to be directed by the one who knows what you need to do, you find yourself, I do have some traps here. <laughs> My core is a little bit tighter. I can do this or that. Saints, when you stay your motion, your movement, even the literal stuff, what you do from the day to day, when it stayed on the Lord and His desire for you, strength comes from that. Whether He's putting you through the reps that everybody can see, or whether you're sitting there sweating and not a soul knows but you and Him, strength comes from it. You need to hold that pose sometimes, no matter how difficult it might be. John 6, I'll give you an example here. John 6 had Jesus teaching the people. He told them some things that were, were uncomfortable to those people as far as staying still goes. Well, he said, The bread that I give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. We mentioned that this morning. That's tough words for some. People didn't like hearing it. Uh, different ones said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And that's in verse 60 of John 6. And so we see what the result was in verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. It was a difficult position for them to hold these ones. To sit there and listen to this and... I, I don't know if I can stay with this man. Isn't that interesting? I mean, on this side of it, 2,000 years later, understanding who Jesus is, the fact that someone would say, you heard, man, you heard from the Son of God that he's the bread of life and he wants to feed you. And you said you couldn't stay with him? I can get real judgmental about that because I'm all high and mighty in teaching people about it. My flesh would find such things perhaps, well, distasteful in the time as well. So I can't be too hard on them. But that being said, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And Jesus said to his twelve, do you also want to go away? Do you want to stay? you want to stick around? How come? And Peter said what I believe were his wisest words up to that point. You might, this might sound familiar to you. But Simon Peter answered him and said in verse 68, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thank you, Ian. You have the words of eternal life. Where are we going to go? That's going to be better than this. Where are we going to go that's going to feed us for not just the present, but establish something for all eternity? Where are we going to go? Also, almost as a side note, also we've come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. <laughs> Amen, Peter. Well done. Whether they were sent out ahead, whether Peter was told to go and prepare the way and speak to some people or get some things together. Peter, I need you to step out and I need you to, to get this, 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 and this in line because I'm coming and I'm going to step down into that place in the next couple of days. There were things that the Lord assigned and appointed to the twelve. Peter among them. Whether it was stepping aside while he ministered to the multitudes. Or whether it was just Peter, sit here. I need to tell you something. We know that he told Peter some things. Get thee behind me. Uh, you are mindful of the things of man and not the things of God. Peter had the choice to say, see ya. I'm walking. Or he could have just said, I need to stay under this for a time. Fire my core as it were. 
and bear up and deal. Wherever Jesus was, Peter knew, even in the difficult times and even in the times when he failed, and he said, I don't even know the man. Do you think Peter didn't know here and here, wherever he is, that's where I need to be. I need to stay with him. Yeah, he failed. He sure did. He failed, uh, as we all do at times, as we all have done at times. But Peter knew in his new man, in that new creation, that he needed to stay his everything. His movement, his day-to-day, his moment-by-moment life and living, whether it's in the high reps, low reps, moving all over the place, or simply just staying put. He recognized that he needed to commit and stay his movement on the Lord Jesus. So saints, our movement needs to remain so. It doesn't matter if the Lord calls us to something extravagant. He can. We understand this. He calls us to things that are just, wow, look. Look what he's doing right now. My goodness, the Lord is really working in that. Sometimes he just has us go sit in the corner and just sweat for a while. And no one even knows it. No one sees it. And you don't get the joy and benefit of recognizing, of, of, hey, I'm suffering over here, guys. No, that's not what he calls for us to do. He wants us to stay our movement on him, stay our mind on him, and have the peace and strength that follows. Don't stay where the Lord doesn't have you, and don't you dare go where he wouldn't have you to go either child of God. Leave your movement stayed, established on the Lord Jesus and his directions for you. Now, that being said, I guess in keeping with the exercise motif here, you you understand, you ones who have done, you know, Pilates or been to the gym or worked out or something, you might be familiar with those people at the gym that I've called the screamers or the the heavy breathers or whatever the case might be, (laughs) you know, where... They're going to go and they're going to go do their lift or something and they go, (gasps) they do that kind of stuff. And I'll just leave it at that. And then when they pick it up, it doesn't matter what the weight is, light, small, whatever, they scream out, oh, I feel foolish. And yet they don't. They don't feel foolish when they do such things. But you know what I'm talking about. You got the person who, well, they're letting you know that they're putting forth their every effort Man, the intensity is present there. Now listen, I worked out with a dude who was, I've said it before, strongest man perhaps all around that I've ever known. Uh, his name was Mark Stillwell, and still he was huge, and I go lift with him. And, uh, it was ridiculous because my max was his warm-up, and that is no lie. And he would get, the, he's big, friendly, huggy, quick, and he'd get down on that bench, you know, and have just enormous weights on the end, and I'd spot him, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and he would lean back, he'd sit like this, and then he'd lean back, and his eyes had just, man, he would have, if anyone presented themselves as possessed, it was, it was stilly. His eyes were just huge, and he would sit there and he just, and he would attack those weights like he was angry at them. Never screamed once, never yelled, never anything, and I knew this man is putting forth more horsepower than I've ever witnessed. And you see other people, like I mentioned, Screaming, yelling, huffing, puffing, walking, pacing. When we were wrestling, we used to have the guys who do this all, you know, this kind of stuff and say, oh, oh, look, he must really mean something. They got there and get smoked on the mat because he's all about smacking himself and telling everyone, I'm the baddest, biggest, all of these things. I want you to know I'm intense. I'm this and that. Saints, the personalities uh, that I mentioned there, they care more about the perception of their strength. They care more about the perception of their intensity. 
then they actually care about intensity. Then they actually care about strength. And that's not how we're called to be. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 16, Jesus speaks along these lines. Uh, I don't think Jesus puts a lot of stock into appearing holy, into appearing like you're working, into appearing all of these things. He says in verse 16, moreover, when you fast, here's just one example, one example of a labor. It is a labor to do this for the Lord, particularly if it's something, a lengthy fast. And I'll leave it between you and and him to determine how, how you need to fast or if at all. But if you fast, say, Something he's called for you to do if you're looking to seek his mind and to find a place will help stay your mind on him perhaps for a time. He says, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance. Oh, I'm so hungry. <laughs> Ooh, I am so hungry, but I am not eating because I'm doing this for the Lord. Yeah, essentially, you know, that's kind of simplifying it, paraphrasing it. Don't have a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Appearing. I'm fasting, and I want you to know it. Assuredly, I say to you, Jesus says, they have their reward. They have the attentions of others. They have perhaps the admiration of others. Perhaps they have the satisfaction of knowing, of hearing someone say, my goodness, he's, I've never fasted before. Look what he's doing. Wow. That, and it, well, it scratched their ego, perhaps. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting. But to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret, will reward you openly. Jesus doesn't put a lot of stock in appearing holy. He doesn't put a lot of stock in appearing strong, appearing capable, appearing pious doesn't put a lot of stock into our appearing to everybody. Not as much anyway as he puts into our being holy, being strong, being righteous, being obedient to him. He says, if you're fasting, he didn't even put a time frame on it. You haven't eaten for a week? (laughs) Get up and shower. Wash your hair. Be joyful. Be joyful. Don't you let them know that you're fasting. Don't you let them know that you're suffering. I'll be honest with you. Sake of full disclosure, there have been times I've been preparing the word. Maybe we have visitors come over. Maybe the grandbaby being a little bit loud. And I want to say, hey, do you realize I'm down here in the word of God? You know, know, I haven't thought that for a little while now. Like everyone's having a great time up there, and here I am just slaving down here so that I might feed you the bread of life. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's shameful if you get right down to it. Shameful. You don't let people know you're struggling. You don't let people know. Now, listen, man, prayer requests and the like, notwithstanding, you understand this. We make prayer requests, but, saints, if the Lord has you in a position where it's you and Him, Part of our staying our mind on Him is staying our mind only on Him. Only on Him. You don't, hey, I want you to know where I'm... No, no, that's not what it is. We need to make sure that our focus is on Him. That our interest isn't letting Him see us in the secret place, so to speak. Uh, I would go so far as to say putting on any face. Putting on any face, whether it's a 
sad face or a grumpy face or a mad face or a mm, intensity face. Look at me struggling for the Lord. Putting on any face that doesn't reflect who Christ is in you, who doesn't reflect Jesus in you. Any of those faces, well, those things are going to be detracting from your testimony. They're going to be something that doesn't please God. Uh, Our purpose should be to reflect Him. Uh, Putting it very simply, Christ in you, the hope of glory. God is love. He is present here. If we don't look like love, as cheesy as that might sound, then we're putting on the wrong face. Let's have an example of what that looks like. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, where it describes what love is. It helps us to understand what our face should look like, so to speak. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. I'll just stop there. What does it say of your relationship with the Lord and your interest in His things and how stayed you are upon Him if your manner is not stayed upon Him? If your manner reflects impatience, unkindness, jealousy, selfishness, arrogance, rudeness, self-service, short temper, Impatience, all of these things that aren't Jesus, aren't love as it's defined in 1 Corinthians 13. Saints, we settle our manner on the Lord God. Settle your mind on Him. Settle your movement on Him. And your manner should be stayed upon God. It should affect that when you have the peace that comes from Him, the strength that comes from Him, the manner that comes from Him, when it's stayed upon Him, should Reflect Him. We can go through the motions of spiritual training. We can do all of those things. We can have our every movement led by the Lord, obeying Him. But if your personality is one that needs to be seen, needs to be recognized for doing what is our reasonable service, your manner isn't quite stayed upon Him. If your, well, if your face is, well, your personality is one of grumbling, one of moaning, not of the cheerful giver that Paul speaks of. When we're staying under a burden, everyone look, (laughs) your manner isn't stayed upon him. If you don't find joy in the glory of God, first and foremost, over our own glory or the glory of men towards us, your manner isn't stayed upon him and you will miss out. You will miss out. John 15 verse 4, Jesus says, stay in me. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Stay in me. But, he goes on to say, I am the vine, you are the branches. You reflect who I am as the vine. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Set your manner upon him and your manner will be seen. If you stay your manner upon God, upon the Lord Jesus... You will glorify God in it. Stay your manner upon Him, whatever the situation might be. Saints, there's a lot of discipline that's required in staying. There's discipline required in doing Pilates, naturally speaking. Sticking around and doing all the motions that you're intended. Sticking around, staying under it, and holding those positions and poses and all those. takes discipline, commitment, takes a measure of just wherewithal to stick with any kind of exercise program, any kind of routine that's of benefit to you because they tend to be difficult, right? There's a lot of discipline required in staying yourself on the Lord. Your mind, 
your movement, your manner. It takes work. It takes discipline. So why do we do it? Why do you stay? Why would you do any of those things when it is just difficult sometimes to hold that pose, so to speak, or to shut your mouth when suffering and the Lord would have you keep it to yourself? Why do we put up with all the rules that this book presents to us? Why do we endure what he calls for us to endure? Why do we smile when he puts us through the movements that he has for us? Why do we stay? And I would say that when you stay all of these things, when you stay our mind, our manner, our movements, our lives upon him, then he gives you might. That's what it's all about when you're doing a natural workout. You're looking for strength. I can't speak for you why you do these things. I can't speak for anyone why they wouldn't do these things. But I can speak for myself. The Lord makes me mighty when I commit myself to Him. Even in small ways. If I commit my mind to Him, yes, peace comes from that. But you know there's strength in peace. There's strength that comes with not being bothered by something that would shake the foundation of anybody. But because I trust in the Lord, it's not a crutch. <laughs> said that a hundred times to different people. It's not a crutch to trust God. It's peace to trust the Almighty God knowing I'm in His hands. And peace comes off as very, very mighty to those ones from without. If you're interested in looking a certain way, I mentioned that here recently during, during a lesson. If you're interested in looking and having a measure of dignity, find peace in God because there's dignity there. Because you don't get shaken by the things that would shake, well, the vast majority of the population. Set your manner on the Lord and somehow you have joy in the midst of difficulty, joy in the midst of pushback from others, joy in the midst of struggle and and insult and all of those things. There's power in that. There's strength in that. Philip, I want you to overtake that chariot. I want you to walk down this way. I want you to expound. Use your mind to explain Jesus and Isaiah. Now I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to take you over here to Azotus. And now I want you to go all the way to Caesarea. And you know, a number of people say, man, can you give me a break, man? (laughs) Philip said, okay. There's power there, man. There's might. He stayed his might on the Lord God. Why would you stay? In all of these things. Why would you stay all of these things on the Lord Jesus? Because He has the word of life. He is the word of life. Because He's the one who strengthens us to succeed in all of these things. And He's the one who enables us. Man, if the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, when this body's dead, talk about strength. He's going to quicken these mortal bodies and He's bringing them up. They're going to stand before Him. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another, our brother Peter said later in 1 Peter 4. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God, if anyone speaks, if anyone's called to move in that direction, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, if the Lord says, this is the movement that I have for you, let him do it as with the ability and the strength and the enabling which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And when God is glorified, He will exalt you in due time as well. Don't think He leaves you behind. He honors your staying 
all of your components, all of your situation upon him. As it is written, Paul says in Romans 8, 36. Do I have that one for you? Nope. For your sake we are killed all the day long. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. So what? (laughs) So what? In all these things, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Saints, we have no need, no right, no justification in being posers for the Lord. Being those ones who scream and shout and yell and all that and don't actually have their minds stayed on doing anything of benefit, anything of worth. Not lifting all the weights and doing everything. That's not who we're called to be. We're called to just simply trust that the one who has the words of life will give peace and victory for life. The one who has the word, the one who feeds us, the one who strengthens us, will give us that peace and victory for life. As it says there, if indeed you continue in faith, grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard, he will give you that peace. He will give you that strength that comes with the familiarity of staying with him. Saints, stay your minds, your movement, your manner upon him, and he will give you Might for all of those things.